Today's Grandparents' Day. You know, on Mother's Day, we're, we love, our, love on our moms. On Father's Day, we love on our fathers. On Grandparents' Day, we ought to love on our grandparents. Now, I realize many of you are like me. You don't have any grandparents that are still living, but uh, I think it's a good day to just to put into your memory in a special way your grandparents and how much you appreciate them. And so I always try to be appropriate and preach on a subject that's uh, for, for the day if the Lord gives me that uh, privilege. And so on Mother's Day, I try to preach on mothers. And Father's Day, I try to preach on fathers. Grandparents' Day, I try to preach on grandparents. I uh, mentioned in Sunday school, the word grandfather is not found anywhere in the Bible. And the word grandmother is only found one place in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, where Paul is uh, writing to Timothy and uh, talking about his faith. And he says, I first saw that in your grandmother, and then it was passed to your mother, and now in you. And many of us, as I mentioned in, Sunday, in Open Assembly and Sunday School, look back to our grandparents and are where we are today and are the kind of person we are today because of the influence that they had in our life. And so this morning I'm going to preach on a grandma. A grandma I would not hold up as an example, but a grandmother who I hold up as a bad example. Uh, that uh, you can look at this uh, grandmother and say, man, I'm glad I didn't have a grandmother like that. Because this is a grandmother that ended up killing her grandchildren. Let me just tell you the story real quick. And the story forms the basis of my message. My message is not really about the story, but there's some truths in the story that I want to share with you this morning. There was a man by the name of Jehoram. He was the king of Judah. The king of Judah. Judah was made up of two tribes. It was after the kingdom split. Uh, And he became king when he was 32 years old, and he reigned for eight years. His wife's name was Athaliah, uh, and I may not say it exactly the same way as uh, Adam did, but it's it's the same woman. Uh, And she was a a wicked woman. Uh, She influenced her husband, and Jehoram was a wicked king. Uh, and because of the influence of her, his wife, uh, he, the Bible says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. They had a son. His name was Ahaziah. Uh, and when his dad died, when Jehoram died, Ahaziah became the king. He was 42 years old when he began to reign. And the Lord only let him reign one year. Because of the influence of his mother... He did evil in the sight of the Lord as well. And as a result, that's why he was only on the throne for a year. So Athalia uh, ruled through her husband. And then when her son took over, she ruled through him. And when her, hus- or when her son died, Athalia says, I'm just going to cut out the middle man. Rather than let one of my grandsons take over as king, I'm just going to kill him off. And I will become the queen. And so she goes into the royal nursery. She goes into the the prince's bedrooms that are in the palace. And this grandmother, believe it or not, kills all her grandsons. Aren't you glad you didn't have a grandma like that? I am. I wouldn't be here today if I had a grandma like that. Neither would you. Uh, But she killed them all. And the Bible says... Except for one, because her sister-in-law, who was named Jehoshaphat, she was married to, a, to the priest named Jehoiada, she snuck into the palace when this grandma was killing all her grandsons, 
and took one of the little baby grandsons named Joash. She hid him, and as Athaliah was celebrating, uh, ascending to the throne, she snuck this little baby out of the palace into the temple, where, again, her husband was a priest. And the Bible says that for six years, uh, she hid him in the temple. Athaliah began to reign, and she reigned for six years. And I'll just tell you the rest of the story. Again, doesn't have anything to do with my message. But when Joash became seven years old, Jehoiada, the priest, set him up to be the king. They killed Athaliah. And the Bible says, uh, that he tells us that Joash reigned for 40 years, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Now, again, terrible story about a terrible grandma. And, I, and again, I hope it reminds you of the good grandparents that you had. But there's some wonderful truths in the basis in, in this story uh, that I want to share with you this morning as my message. The first one is this. The first one is that mankind cannot destroy the promises of God. Regardless of how hard we try, man cannot destroy or do away with the promises of God. God had promised a Messiah. God had promised a king through the seed of David. This wicked grandmother did her best to try to destroy Joash, the last prince, the last remaining seed of David. If she succeeded in killing him, the promise of God that there would be a descendant of David that was set on the throne would have been destroyed. It would have been, God could not keep it if, if all the descendants were killed. And even though she had lined up all the resources that were associated with the kingdom of, of, of Judah, even, all, even though all the soldiers reported to her, even though she brought the power of the kingdom down on this little boy and tried to kill him, she could not do it. Mankind cannot destroy the promises of God. If it wasn't for this aunt, she, by the way, she was the sister of Ahaziah, the, 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 the king, uh, Athaliah's husband. So she was an aunt. And, and if it wasn't for this aunt <coughs> saving this little boy, God would have raised somebody else up. God would have found some way to protect this little boy to keep his promise to his people that a, that a descendant of David would rule, would, want, would one day be the Messiah. And down through the ages, uh, this, this, this lady has not been the only one that has tried to destroy the promises of God. Infidels all throughout history have taken this book, taken the promises in this book, and say, we will destroy it. It's still going on today. There was a Bible that was published recently that took gender out of the Bible. They said, God, don't refer to God as a father. He could just as well be a mother. We're taking gender out of the Bible. When they took gender out of the Bible, that Bible says it's all right for homosexuals to get married. And again, I've told you before, it doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. It matters what God says. And regardless of how mankind changes the word of God... Regardless of how mankind changes the word of God, homosexuality is still an abomination in his sight. It is still a sin. 
And so we, mankind can try to destroy the word of God, and, and we're still doing it. I mean, there, there, there are churches today that preach there is no hell. There are churches today that preach God is such a loving God that he would in no way send any person to hell. He'll change his mind before he does it. They are trying to destroy the promises of God. The promises of God say say that we can claim heaven as our home, but it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a heaven. There is a hell. Those that half the sun, like we talked about in Sunday school, half life, half heaven, but those that reject the sun don't have life and can look forward to a place called hell. There are churches this morning that don't believe in a place called hell. They said, how can a loving God create a place called hell? God didn't create hell for people. God's not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He created hell as an eternal punishment for Satan. And the demons that rebelled against God and were cast out of heaven when Satan led that rebellion. But God will send people to hell. It's a real place. It's a place of fire. It's a place of the bottomless pit. It's a place where the worm dieth not. God will send people that reject his son and the salvation that he purchased on Calvary to that place called hell. You can change the Bible. You can get up and preach it. You can proclaim that there is no hell. That doesn't change the fact that there is a hell. People try to change the promises of God when it comes to salvation. They say, oh, look, there's, there's other ways you can get saved. You just live a good life. You just turn over a new leaf. You just go to church. You just get baptized. You do all those good things, and you can go to heaven. That's not, not, not what God promised. God promised this. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise of God. You're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior. You need to claim that promise. Like we talked about in Sunday school, Jesus is the Son of God. In Him is life. And we can get that life when we trust Him as our Savior. Mankind can do everything they want to do. They can change the promises and try to change the promises in this, these, this book. But God's promises do not change. Mankind cannot destroy them. Amen. I've told you a story before. Back in the 1800s, there was a, a, an infidel. There was an atheist, somebody that doesn't believe in God. How can anybody be an atheist? But anyhow, there was an atheist. His name was Voltaire. He said, before I die, I will destroy every Bible in the world. Before I die, I will destroy every Bible in the world. A hundred years after he died, you know what they were doing in his house? They were printing Bibles. (laughs) Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. You think you're going to destroy my word? You think you're going to destroy my promises? I use the place that you live as a publishing house to publish my word, the word of God. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, the Bible says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Though the cover is worn and the pages are torn, and though places bear traces of tears... Yet more precious than gold is this book worn and old that can shatter and scatter my fears. 
This old book is my guide. It's a friend by my side. It will lighten and brighten my way. And each promise I find soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it and heed it each day. Mankind cannot destroy the promises of God. And as hard as this grandma tried to kill every descendant in the line of David, she couldn't do it. Number two, there's another important truth in this story. You too, you too can save a life from destruction. Joash, this little baby, was in danger. His grandmother had killed all his brothers. She wanted him dead too. An aunt rushes in. Now, this, this aunt wasn't somebody special. I mean, the only time, this is the only time we read about her in the Bible. I mean, she was married to the priest, and so she was, you know, a pure lady. But she wasn't anything special like a Deborah or uh, other people that we read about in the Bible. She was just an ordinary lady. But she said, my sister-in-law is not worthy to be the queen. I, in spite of the authority that she has, I, in spite of the power that she holds, am going to save one of my little nephews so that one day he can sit on the throne. She rushes in. I can just picture it in my mind. The soldiers are going into every one of the bedrooms. The soldiers are going in to every place. And they're killing all this little baby, all these, this little baby's brothers. They're, they're, they're killing them. And she rushes in when the soldiers have their swords out, have their knives in, ready to kill every little boy. And she hides them, the Bible says, in his bedchamber. When they leave, and I don't know how long after, but she sneaks out and takes this little boy to the temple, to the house of God, to the safest place that she knew. I want to tell you, today there is an evil force, just like this evil grandmother was trying to do in her day. There is an evil force that is coming after our children. There is an evil force that that wants to destroy them. There is an evil force that wants their, wants their eternity, wants them to spend eternity in hell. There is an evil force, and, you, and, and, and Satan's behind it, but he's using the forces that are in this world. He is the prince and power of this world. There is an evil force, that, that, and they're using everything at their disposal to dis- try to destroy the children of this world. They want, they, 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 they want to teach them the values of the world. They want to teach them. And again, as Christian parents, you've got to be careful. You've got, to, you've got to talk to your kids. You've got to learn what they're teaching them in school. They're teaching them things in school that you don't agree with. I know you don't agree with. I, I, I'm glad we have Christian school teachers like Tracy that will never teach her class. It's okay for a, a woman and a woman and a man and a man to get married. But there are places that that's being taught. It's being held up as, a, as an alternative lifestyle. And, and, and these forces want to destroy our children. We, too, can save a life from destruction. You, as a parent, you, as a grandparent, you, as an aunt, you, as an uncle, you, as a 
as a friend, you have a responsibility to the children that God has put in your life, that God has put them under your sphere of influence, to stand up for right. To stand up for God. To stand up for the things of God. To tell them about Jesus. To tell them about the fact that he died for them. To tell them uh, that, 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 that he loves them. We have that responsibility. We have that, we, we ha- have that God-given commission to tell not only the children, but everybody we come across that there's a God in heaven, that he will punish sin, that Jesus died for sin, and if we accept him, he'll save us from the penalty of that sin. Amen. I read about a lady, much like Lois, a lady that liked to pass out tracks. Everywhere she went, she passed out a track. Every day she rode the train, and every day she gave a track to the same man. At the beginning, he was polite. He just stuck it. He never read it. He just stuck it in his pocket. And, and when he got to work, he threw it out. Finally, he got so tired of getting tracks from this lady that he, he, he looked at it, and when he gave it to her, when she gave it to him, and just threw it down. She just picked it up and gave it to somebody else. One day, when she gave him a track, right before her eyes, he just tore it into little pieces and went like this. Well, what he didn't know, when it went like this, there was a little piece of that track that stuck on the back of his coat. <laughs> when he got to work, his secretary says, Mr. whatever his name was, he said, you know, there's a little piece of paper stuck on the back of your coat. He said, well, give it to me. And so his secretary plucked it off the back of his coat, two-sided. On one word, it had the, the name God. On one side, it had the name God. On the other side, it had eternity. God eternity. God, eternity. The story goes that that those two words stuck in his mind. God, eternity. God, eternity. Story goes, the next day he got on a train, he looked for that lady. He said, I know what I did yesterday was a terrible thing, tearing up that track and going like this, but would you give me another one? She reached into her purse and gave him another track. He sat down on the train He devoured that tract. Didn't eat it. He read it. He read it. And the lady looked over and saw him bow his head. He bowed his head and he asked Jesus to be a savior. You too can save a life from destruction. The way you can save a life from destruction is not rushing in among the soldiers and plucking a little baby from the nursery and hiding him in the temple. You can save a life by telling them about Jesus Christ about Jesus Christ. And then quickly, number three, you too, we too, we also can provide a hiding place. When Jehoshaphat took that little baby, took the future king, she took him to the safest place that she knew. She took him to the house of God. Again, her husband was the priest, and so she had a place there. But for six years, This little baby, this little boy, as he grew older, was sheltered from his grandmother. This little boy was sheltered from the world. All he heard for the first six years of his life was praise for God. All he saw for the first six years of his life was worship for God. For six years, he was trained by the priest. For six years, he watched the sacrifices. For six years, he heard the prayers. For six years, all he heard were church songs being sung. When he was seven years old, uh, the priest set him up on the throne, led a rebellion, set him upon the throne, 
And because he, he, he knew he was ready to rule, of course, he had help at seven years old. But the Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. You know what some people would say today if we tried to raise our children like this? They would say, you're not giving your kids a chance. You need to let them experience the real world. Otherwise, when they have to go out into the real world, they'll they'll be destroyed. They don't know what to do. And parents that try to shelter their children from the things of the world are criticized today. They they, they say, you're going to warp their personalities. You're going to warp them as children. They need to experience the things of the world. I want to tell you this morning, I think that's a bunch of hogwash. I think we ought to protect our kids as much as we can. I think, I mean, if, 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 well, again, I say this about Aaron, I don't know about Arnie, but if I, could, if I could bring them into the church and raise them here, if they could live here, if the only thing they could see was this place, and they spend a lot of time here, but if the only place that they could see was this place, if the only thing they could experience were, were worship of God, if the only thing that they could experience were people loving on God and singing praising to him and offering up their prayers and, and hearing, the, the, hearing Bible stories, I think it would be a great thing. And again, I know people say, oh, you're crazy, preacher. They need to know what goes on in the real world. Why? Why? I think we ought to shelter them as much as we can. Mary, come up here. I'm going to let Mary represent all the kids with her red hair, okay? <laughs> Jeff, you come up here. Uh, uh, no, no, sit down. Roy, you come up here. I'll use, her, I'll use her dad. Now, I don't usually do this. I'm going to play the devil this morning. I know it's not good typecasting, but I'm going to play the devil. Don't say anything. What I want to do, I want to get at her. I want to teach her what I think is important. I want to teach her my values. I don't want her to have God's values. I want her to have my values. I I want her to want as much as she can, and I want her to get it any way that she can get it. I want her to experiment with everything the world has to offer. I want to teach her about drugs, and I want to teach her about alcohol, and I want to teach her about sex. I want to teach her about everything that the world says is fun. He has a responsibility to shelter her. He has a responsibility that when Satan comes and tries to get into her life, he said, come on now, play along with me. (laughs) Protect her. He says, when Satan comes, no way. I, I try to get into her life. He's standing as a barrier. Regardless of how I try to come, he gets in the way and protects. You know, some people are slow. You just got to work with them. Regardless of how I try to get at her, regardless of the direction I, I come at her, he provides a, a shelter. And again, there are people today, good intentioned people, say, he's doing her a disservice. He ought to let her experience what goes on in the world. Why? Why? I think we ought to protect them as long as we can. I think we ought to keep them in a little cocoon as long as we can. I don't think we should expose them to the things of the world. Things of the world, has the, the, what, the, what the world wants is to destroy not only her life, but her soul. Satan doesn't ever want her to hear about Christ. 
Satan doesn't ever want her to get saved. Satan would be overjoyed for, her to, for Mary to live her life doing whatever she wanted to do, and then one day could die and spend eternity with him in hell. And we, we too, can provide a hiding place. We can be that shelter to keep Satan out of their lives. All right, thank you, thank you, guys. Now, listen, that's what this aunt did. Again, she wasn't anybody special, just an ordinary person like us that said, I'm not letting my sister-in-law get my nephew. I'm going to hide him in the house of God. And I'm going to teach him the things of God. And one day he's going to sit on the throne and he's going to do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Wouldn't that be a wonderful testimony for your children, for your, for your grandchildren? Amen. They did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Your grandpa, your grandma, you have the privilege to influence their lives. Do it. Do it. Say, well, I don't know if my kids will like it. Who cares? They're your kids. Your grandpa. You have some rights as grandpa and grandma. You ought to have the right to tell them about God. You ought to have the right to tell them about what's right. If your children don't agree, do it when they're not around. <laughs> you shouldn't. I probably shouldn't say that. I find out all sorts of things about Adam and Chantel from my grandkids that I would not know. <laughs> and anything I want to teach them that I think they might disagree with, I teach them when they're not there. <laughs> Let's be good grandpas. Let's be good grandmas. And if you had a good one, you thank God that you had a good one. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it offers to us. Thank you for this day that you've allowed us to honor our grandparents. And Father, I thank you for the grandparents you gave me. I thank you for the influence they had in my life. I thank you for the godly grandparents that you put in this church. And I pray, Father, that we would use our godly influence to teach our grandchildren. Father, I pray if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, help them to understand that they have not life without him. The only way that they can get their sins forgiven and have a relationship with you is to come to him. And I pray you'd help them do that this morning. If there's just one here this morning that's never received Christ, help them to, 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 to come during this time of invitation. We'll take the Bible, show them from the Bible how to ask Jesus to be their Savior. So, Father, bless this time of invitation. Use it. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.